Welcome to the North Brevard Church of Christ podcast. I'm Doug Hunter, one of the elders. We hope that this podcast makes our sermons and Bible studies more accessible. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to rehash something from two weeks ago. Because, um, well, I'll just go ahead and take the blame and say that I jumped into things a little bit too quickly, which led, I think, us into two different places. And um, so I'm going to try to go through it a little bit slower tonight. Um, and let's just take our time with it and figure it out together. Uh, again, I want to remind you that I don't have all the answers. I don't think I have all the answers. Uh, I'm learning in this just like you are. There's lots and lots and lots of difficult pages in the Bible, and this is probably one of the most difficult subjects of them all. So we're going to be talking about spirituality. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the idea that we are dual-natured, right? Matthew 10:28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's another one. Oh. Oh. This is Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay? So, as we know, there are two parts to each of us. There's the flesh, and then there's the spirit. There's the body, and then there's the soul. Does anybody want to say anything along those lines before we move forward? Go ahead. Truth, the flesh, and the spirit. When, when, when I read it, when he's talking about the flesh... Mm-hmm. When you're, when you're in the flesh, you're doing those things to please yourself. Mm-hmm. When you're in the spirit, you're doing those things to please God. It's more, it's more than the, the, the literal interpretation of what's there. He's talking about it from a broader standpoint because it is a matter of what I'm doing for myself is for myself. And that's the physical. Okay. But my whole desire is to do is my lust of myself. Because if you go to say it's just the physical body versus the spirit, then you can say, well, the flesh, anything you do in the flesh is wrong. That's not what he's saying. Okay. He says anything you're doing that's just, just to serve yourself. It's, it's, it's ego. It's, uh, it's, it's pride in yourself. It's lust of yourself. To serve yourself is in the flesh. Okay. But if you're doing something for someone else, you're still doing it physically. Your flesh is still doing it. But that's not of the flesh. That's of the spirit. All right. Anybody else want to add to that? How to pray, mm-hmm. how to fast. And uh, I think he was saying that, you know, if you, uh, you're doing it in a way to, to bring attention to yourself, then, you know, the Father 
doesn't have anything to do with that. That's on you. You will not get rewarded for that. Sure. Uh, so I think I think uh, that's the key to what Chuck was bringing out. Okay. And it's also the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. That plays a big part. The, the flesh yearns for certain things. Okay. So before we get into um, the application of the idea of flesh and spirit, we all do agree that we are flesh and spirit. Right? Okay? And that those two things are actually in opposition to each other. Do we disagree with that? Okay, tell me how. If you're doing things for God, you're physically working to serve God, then they're not in in concert with each other. Okay. I, Laura, you want to say something before we go ahead? Yes, because, okay, just as an example. So I'm doing something good for someone else. Like, Mm -hmm. I am. That the flesh and the spirit are in opposition to one another. That's, we're in disagreement with that. Alright. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think it is possible to please God simply by being in the flesh? Do you think it is possible to please God simply by being of the flesh? Romans says, if you're living by the flesh, you cannot do the will. That's exactly right. We're going to get to that scripture. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what I interpret that to is if you're living for yourself, yeah. you can't please God. Right. Okay. And if you don't have the spirit, who would you be living for? If there is no spiritual side, who would you be living for? Do you know anybody who does not believe that there is a spiritual side? Have you ever talked to someone who does not believe, 100% truly does not believe, that there is a God? Okay. Is it possible to please God from that mindset? No matter what you do. So even if that person comes and cleans the church building, is is that pleasing to God? It's impossible, to me at least, I think the scriptures are going to show this, that to me, without the Spirit, just start, just start from that aspect, without the Spirit, it is impossible to please 
God. You cannot do it simply from the flesh. Now, if you interpret that statement because they're in um, conflict with one another, if you interpret that statement as anything that you do physically, therefore, cannot be attributed to godliness, that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? You have to have the spirit, and then the spirit can overcome the flesh. But even if the flesh does the right thing without the spirit, then it is impossible, at least to me, to please God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you lie or not lie if you don't have the spirit of God. It doesn't matter. Right? Would anybody disagree with that? No? Okay, maybe we're getting somewhere. Maybe we're starting to, I think, get on the same page here. Okay, so I, I'm just gonna say it this way. Again, my interpretation, all right? Doesn't make it right, okay? But my interpretation is, is that we have two different parts to our being, that is flesh and spirit. And those things are in opposition to each other. Now, those who live by the spirit can learn how to control their flesh and therefore please God. But those who do not live by the Spirit, whether they can control themselves and, and check off the box or not, it's not going to please God. Romans 7 is a scripture that we talked about two weeks ago. Chuck brought it up. It's, one of, it's, a, it's a favorite scripture of mine, but I also think it's actually one, a very difficult scripture in the Bible, and I'm going to show you exactly why I think it's difficult. Okay, verse 14, Romans 7, verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Who sold me? For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want... I agree with the law that it is good. So stop and pause on that for a second. Why, if I do not do what I want to do, does that make the law good? Stop there for a second. Why, what, what the scripture is saying, verse 16, it says, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Okay, so if I don't do what I want to do, then that makes the law good. How does that make the law good? <coughs> the idea in Romans 7 is it's the guide. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm not supposed to do. Yeah. So if I don't want to do... What If I do, if I want to do, let me say it this way. If I want to do what the law tells me to do, but I don't do it, does that help me know the law is good? Doesn't that help me know the law is good? Well, it gives you a choice. Of course, we have to have choice. 
Well, I have a difficulty with what you're saying there because under the new covenant, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither Greek nor Jew. Um, so I do hear what you're saying, but I'm just telling you, I don't, under the new covenant, that's hard to ratify what you're saying there. Um, Mm-hmm. It's talking about law. It is talking about the old law. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's talking about God's standard, right? That's what the law is, right? Did God, okay. So let's just get, let's break down the law real quick. I'm going to come back to you. I promise. Let's just break down the law real quick. What is the law? It's just what God is. It's what God is. It's righteousness. It's what God is, right? It's the standard of God. These are the things that are to represent the standard of God. Did God ever expect us to live up to the law? He wrote the law so because of that's what is best for us. I agree. It's also his standard. It's what's it's best for us. Oh, it's also his standard. Well, he, for instance, he has animals you can't eat. Now we can eat those. Sure. Okay. Um, this one here, because Paul does, he does this all the way through. He talks about the law. Paul talks about the law. He's really not talking about it from a positive standpoint. Oh, I agree 100%. He's really saying, now if I do what I do not want, in other words, I try and get it myself. Mm -hmm. My own obedience to the law, which is not what I'm trying to do, then I don't need this. I don't need the spirit. I don't need Christ. I think he's talking about sin in Romans 7. When he's talking about the things he doesn't want to do. I think he's talking about sin. Now, I agree with you that there's plenty of the law, okay, that was written specifically for us. All right? Is God up there uh, making sacrifices for himself? I don't think he is. Uh, is, is do we even know if God eats yeah, he eats. You think he eats? Maybe, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> you talking about Peter? Talking about the picnic? You talking about feeding the 5,000? No, I didn't say he couldn't eat. That's not what I said. I said, does he eat? I don't know. What my point is this, though. Where the law comes from is the standard of God. You think God lies? Let's go through the Ten Commandments. Think God lies? You think God worships idols, right? That one's for us, right? Do you think God? Uh, do you think God covets? You think God commits adultery? This is God's standard. He's going to be faithful. He's going to be loyal. Okay, this is God's standard. The old law was to do what? What was the law to do? What was the point of the old law? I don't have these scriptures up there. I need to have like every scripture in the Bible ready. That's right. That's right. It shows us, one, how bad we need Jesus. Right? But it also reveals to us the nature of God. It shows us how far away our nature is from the nature of God. Does that, does that not make sense? Okay. So in other words, when I do what I don't want to do, because what I want to do is serve God, which we're going to see further down is certainly uh, what he's talking about in the next part. 
Okay, when I do what I do not want to do, then it shows me that the law is good. I know, I learn from those things. How many times have you sinned, questioned maybe even what God's word had said, sinned, followed through with that action, and found out exactly why God didn't want you to do that? Right? Are you going to talk Romans 8? <coughs> I am. Okay, <clears throat> verse 18, reconcile that for me. Actually, verse 17 is probably one of the hardest scriptures to me. And you know why it's hard? Because he repeats it again in verse 20, okay? But look what he says. He says, so now, right after he says, once I do the things I don't want to do, that's when I know the law is good. So what's he say in verse 17? He says, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. What's that mean? Desire for self. Desire for self? It's the sin nature that's within us. Where, where does that nature come from? There's only two natures we have, right? Do we have more than two natures? Do we have more than two natures? We are made of flesh and of spirit. Where does that nature come from? Where does the nature of sin come from? Do I think God created it in us? I think that's a really difficult question. Here's why. Because I think God created choice. He gave us choice. He didn't have to create us with choice. He gave us choice. So, because he gave us choice, did he know we were going to fail? From before creating us, did he know we were going to fail? Yeah, it was part of the plan. It was absolutely, to me at least, it's part of the plan. John chapter 1 is talking about how God knew all this stuff was going to happen before it ever happened. And that Jesus was part of that process. Right? Did God not know we were going to sin? So you're coming up with some of the most difficult questions that this is the part where it gets extremely hard. For example... If you don't want somebody to make a mistake, why put the mistake in a place where they can make it? Right? You can ask all these questions. They're deep questions I don't have the answers to and really not where I'm going. Okay? When, when we were created, mm -hmm. God put some instincts in us. And we can use those instincts either for our own self or we can use them according to God's way that we were supposed to use them. All of our instincts that are put in us and feelings got put there. Okay. But we still have the choice of what we do with them. Sure. Right. Sure. The choice it, is, is the whole point behind the dual nature of us. Okay. The choice to choose to serve God and serve ourselves. Yeah. And serving God is living in spirit. Serving ourselves is living in spirit. Yeah. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. But... This might be where we disagree, and it's okay if we do. Okay? But to me, those two things come from one side or the other. And those two things are in conflict, being the flesh and the spirit. Okay? My spirit isn't going to lead me. If I'm walking in the spirit, it's not going to lead me to a place of selfishness. 
And if I'm walking in the flesh, okay, it's not guaranteed to lead me to a place of selfishness, but that's the way I would get there. Does that make sense? Well, are we talking about my spirit or are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Your spirit may be part of it, but the Holy Spirit. I heard somebody says, the spirit will help you keep from doing it. Well, then your spirit will certainly help you. Yeah, it's a helper. You're still going to make the decision. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. All right. I promise, I promise, when we get going, this is going to come together a little bit better. We've only gotten through... Half a scripture. Okay? I promise. Just let it, let, let it flow a little bit here. Okay. So verse 18. Verse 17, we're going to leave alone for a minute because quite honestly, unless you guys teach me this one, I don't know if I have the answer to verse 17. Okay? Verse 18 says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, in my flesh. Nothing good dwells in me, that is, you can say, from my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 19 says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Look, verse 20 says it again. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells Within me, from the other side of the coin, when you make the choice to sin, can you just blame it on sin? He still made a choice. I agree. That's why verses 17 and verses 20 are difficult for me to fully break down. Now, that's part I don't have, I don't feel like I have a a great grasp on exactly what he's trying to say there. Okay? But if we keep reading, I think we can figure it out a little bit more. So I find it to be, verse 21, the, a, a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Look what he says. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. What is that inner being? Where does that nature come from? Is that flesh? Or is that spirit? To me, easily spirit. But I see in my members' flesh another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Now look how he finishes this scripture, or at least where I decided to finish it, but he's pretty much done with it. (laughs) Wretched man that I am. That's what he's talking he's talking about himself. This is Paul. What better example in life do you have outside of Jesus in the New Testament than Paul? I mean, this guy went through hardships, right? This guy left his kosher life to go literally sojourning, if you will, left and right all over the world. I doubt he had two jobs before he started ministry, but he ended up with two jobs, didn't he? And he calls himself wretched man. Who will deliver me from what? From this body. 
from this body of death. Okay, here's another idea, right? When we're thinking about flesh and spirit. Is my flesh going to go with me to heaven? No. It's not, is it? Soul and spirit never die. That's right. Soul and spirit never die. Now, going from that, when we're talking about what is the difference between flesh and spirit, the one thing I want to put together for you, because there's lots of different um, ideas. Okay, like I said, this is a very deep, difficult subject, the idea of spirituality. is very deep and difficult. I heard um, when I was growing up younger in the church of Christ, my youth minister told me that man was the only people who had souls, which is why animals won't go to heaven. So he told me all dogs go to heaven is a lie. Okay? And that was, he, was he, he used something in Genesis where it talked about the soul of man, but when it talked about animals, they didn't have a soul. Okay, but what I want to tell you is go and look up the word soul specifically. Look up the word spirit specifically. Start reading scriptures, and what you will find is that the soul and the spirit are used interchangeably. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, that's a good question. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you in the context of the scriptures, okay? It says that when Jesus died, he gave up his spirit. spirit. But when it's talking about, um, man, the name just slipped me. Uh, maybe, maybe Nicodemus. I was thinking more of there's a specific passage in Genesis a uh, lady's giving birth and she's about to die and she's going to name her child. Ah, I hate when I do this. She's going to name her child, but it says that her soul was leaving. Her soul was leaving as she and her flesh was dying. Uh, maybe, maybe your guess would be as good as mine on that one. I'm, I know it's in there. I could find it for you really fast. Um, and I can show you a whole bunch of different spots anyway. I just want you to realize that the body and the flesh are the same, just like the soul and the spirit are used interchangeably. They're interchangeable things. Yeah, but not all the time. Okay. There, there are times that you get soul as being something inferior to spirit. And if you have the old King James Version or the American Standard Version, it puts holy in front of spirit not in front of soul. Well, sure. So they're not but always your Holy Spirit, you're not talking about something of you, you're talking about something of God. So what are you talking about when you talk about the Spirit within you? I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your double nature, your flesh and your spirit, your body and your soul. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Before you receive the Holy Spirit, do you have a soul? Yeah, I mean, okay. So, when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, though, do I have the Holy When I'm born, do I have the Holy Spirit? No, I have to receive the Holy Spirit, don't I? So, that's two different things. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that those two things don't begin to become one, but you get way ahead of me. On that. Okay. So again, I just want to I just want to point this out. I, I changed this up a little bit because I know we had issues with it last time. But I just want to point this out one more time. To me, 
The flesh deals with the physical, the tangible, the visual, the things that we experience in this physical life. The things that are not going to go with us when we die. That's the flesh. Okay? And when it comes to the spirit, I said this. The spirit, because it is not always physical, but the spirit can manifest physically, right? Spiritual things can manifest spiritually. Angels can manifest spiritually, even though they're heavenly spiritual beings. So they're not always physical, tangible, or visual, and, much, and it makes it much, much harder to define. In fact, I, I would venture to say it takes faith to even begin to understand and describe it. Bob? both though so I don't we don't have to agree there it's not gonna it's not gonna change the outcome of the lesson even okay but to me again the difference between a person who is saved and going to heaven is it how much more righteous they become okay I agree but is it because of how much righteousness, how, how righteous they become that they get saved? No, it's not, right? We're talking about um, uh, the parable of the workers, right? Right? Some people started out first thing in the morning. Some people started out middle of the day. Some people started out late in the evening. How much they get paid? They all got paid the same. Why? Because it's not about my works, right? It's not about, it's not about how righteous I become. I can find Jesus on my deathbed and still get to heaven. It can happen. That's right. It's all about the grace of God. So, of course it's about our faith. Because without Jesus, you can't be saved. Okay? Without Jesus, you cannot be saved. And, okay. So, I actually agree with what you're saying. I just, something to consider. I, I think for me, that definition works better than physical. Well, uh, because I think... Worldly, our worldly desires, our, our uh, sinful capacity, 
capacity. That works better for me. Right. And so when we get through these scriptures and we get to the spiritual application, which is basically the same thing. One is the literal translation of flesh and spirit. The other one is the spiritual application to me of flesh and spirit. Okay. The spiritual application to me is that word desire or that nature. Okay, but we can get to that. We can get to that um, later. But that, in that aspect, we're saying the exact same thing. Okay, but I didn't want to go there too quickly. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's go to Romans eight. Somebody was asking for it, right? Okay, so let's go to Romans eight. That was my next scripture, and this is the one where, again, I want you to think of it. From the two natures. Okay? I want you to think of it from the two natures that are in opposition with each other, which we're going to see clearly defined. But we're also going to be asking the question of what is the spiritual application of these two natures? What, what does it ultimately result in? Now, let me say this too. You can't get away from your flesh. You can't get away from it. All right? In this life, you are stuck in your flesh. The only time you're going to get away from it is in the next. And God's going to give, make you a new creation and give you a new vessel, right? Um, okay. So verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Again, to me, that set their minds spiritual application, which we're going to get into. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So let's just, let's just break that down for a second. Why would those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh? Because they're living for themselves. Verse 5 is choice. Verse 5 is 100%. Who do you choose to live for? I agree. Self or God? I agree. 100%. Now that's that, why Spirit's capitalized there. Okay. So, again, set their minds, to me, shows the idea of choice. Okay? And of course, those who live according to the Spirit, where does the Spirit come from? Yeah, it comes from God. It comes from God. What's the godly part of us? The flesh or the spirit? Even when you're born before you know nothing. What's the godly part of you? The flesh or the spirit? What's the part that's going to be united with God one day? The flesh or the spirit? I agree. Sure. The word spirit, I'm just going to tell you one more time. And I, if we need to next week, I will bring you a list. I will bring you a list of how many times spirit and soul are used to say the exact same thing or used interchangeably all through the New and Old Testament. And, um, you have to look at the context of what spirit is talking about. Okay. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, okay, again, that is part of God. That we receive through baptism, 
All right? But we also are spirit. Okay? And let me say this. That spirit is not unlocked. It is not unleashed. It is not changed. It, is, it doesn't even affect us until we receive the Holy Spirit. It doesn't become the spirit that leads you to God until you receive the Holy Spirit. It do, it's not even godly. But it's eternal. Okay? So, again, if you're living by the Spirit, then it's very easy to say, oh, then you're living by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> but what part of you is living by the Holy Spirit? What part of you is guided by the Holy Spirit? What part of you is connected to the Holy Spirit? To me, again... That's my spirit. Because my flesh is hostile to God. Now, I'm jumping ahead, so let's, let's keep reading for a second. Verse 6. For, to set, the mind on the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Why would it? Why would it? So, let me ask you a serious question. When did you start being led by God? When did you start being led by by God. No longer leading yourself, but being led by God. Nobody knows when? Mm-hmm. You decide to fall after yourself or fall after God. If you're totally falling after yourself, of course you're hostile to God. Mm-hmm. Because you're living for yourself. Mm-hmm. Even if the spirit had been put in you, you shut him out. Mm-hmm. And we unfortunately see that with people is they shut him out. The scripture so talks about that. For though the mind that is set, in other words, who do I want to serve? My mind is set on who? Sure. Me or God. Sure. That's what he's trying to say throughout this whole thing. My mm-hmm. mind is set on the spirit, which is God. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, mind is set on myself. Mm-hmm. It's set on myself. I'm trying to please myself. Mm-hmm. I'm living full in the flesh. Right. If I'm trying to please God, I'm living in his spirit. Okay. So to me, we're led by God when we've allowed, when we've chose God and we choose God based on the scripture through accepting his son Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and according to the conversation with Nicodemus that doesn't happen until we're reborn and according to Acts chapter 2 verse 38 when we're baptized we receive 
the Holy Spirit. It's not just forgiveness of sins. It's receiving the Holy Spirit. And that is the moment where we can truly be led by the Spirit. When you are led by the Spirit, what are you walking in? Grace. What else? It's a, it's a small word that starts with F. Faith, yeah. Light's a good answer too, First John, right? But we're walking in faith. When we're led by the Spirit, we're walking in faith, not by sight. No longer, no longer walking by the physical, no longer doing things just because, just because the physical tells us this is the way we have to do them. Okay? We, 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 set, I, we started class talking about culture. You remember that? This is exactly what we're still talking about now. Even when we talk about flesh and spirit, even though we talk about it being metaphoric or literal, what we're talking about is a culture. A culture of spirituality or a culture of flesh. A culture that stems from my physicalness or a culture that stems from my eternalness. Okay? A culture that stems from what is dying and decayed and corrupt. Or a culture that stems from what is righteous and pure. And to me, again, even though, yes, 100%, it's a choice. It's definitely a choice. There's still two parts. There's two parts of this on the screen, and they're in red, that I deal with every day in my life, that you deal with every day in your life. There's two parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Pretty amazing to know he did, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it kind of says, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yes. And again, let me, let me, um, I want to backtrack for a minute because I know where we got off. Okay. And I, and I was trying, what I was trying to do was show you guys that even in situations that were not sinful, okay, that sometimes your flesh and your spirit can be telling you, Two different things. Doesn't make them wrong. But they're constantly going in different directions. And I was talking about funerals. And I was talking about grieving. Okay? I was not saying that there's anything wrong with grief. Alright? But I was all, what I was trying to say is, even the strongest Christian in our church, when they die, we all go through a grieving process. Is that wrong? No! Is that of our flesh? Yeah. Yeah. Because our spirit knows that this isn't it. Okay? That's not to say, again, that grieving is wrong. Okay? But our spirit knows that this is not over. Okay, I speak of that from my own personal relationship with God and losing someone all of a sudden at a very young age. Finding out on my way to church. Right after I got the job here. My flesh was angry at God. But my spirit knew that even though she was only 22, she was eternal. It's actually what got me through it. Not immediately, 
not immediately, and I think that's normal. They, if you love someone, it's normal to hurt when they die. It's part of our human nature. But our nature is two different things. It's flesh and spirit. Anyway, we're just going to stop there for now. But understand that we're going somewhere really far away from this. Okay? We're going somewhere really far away from this where, um, where I think, again, we'll find actually more common ground than maybe we're finding right now with some of you. Okay? All right.